You know, these are things that once they touch your soul, everything smells away. You can find somebody very sad and immediately, hey, they get up and they forget everything and they'll say, man, that song saved me. I've actually had people tell me how they had contemplated suicide and for some reason when this particular song plays, always it reminds me of how it saved me from a particular state. That's how powerful music is. Is it that I'm actually looking for? Do we really know life? Sure. But let me say intelligence. Emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence. So I believe it's important for each and every one of us to understand the rules that govern any arena of your life. You are listening to The Revenge of the Forsaken Gods, a podcast that explores the human experience and seeks to create a blueprint for living using books, stories, movies, and conversations. And here is your host, Andrew Balongo Opere. Music is life, and life is music. Music can help us think, dream, or imagine a world that we have not yet experienced. Its power has been very underestimated and not expressed in a way that we can fully understand, interact with it, and how it can even enhance our enjoyment of it. And that's the reason today that I want to explore this with a professional who is uh, well-versed in music to the point that he's learned music without even going to music school. He's even traversed uh, three continents and has a variety of experiences from different cultures. Professionally, he has uh, lectured in accounting from George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, a master's in international relations from Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and a PhD in communication and philosophy of language from Ohio University. And this is the part that I'd like to uh, get from our guest because he has a very unique perspective. He knows how to talk to the heart and to the mind. And he's a philosopher who understands the role of music in aesthetics, its power in creating meaning, and uh, how music plays a role from advertising to rituals and its power to keep the society together. So without further ado, let us talk to the awesome musician who has traversed three continents, is an awesome communicator and philosopher going to show us how music is a tool for persuasion and in the bringing culture together. Ngure Wamashofi! Yes, welcome, Professor. Thank you, Andrew. Yes. Thank you for your kind introduction. Except I would like to correct that actually I have a degree in accounting from George Mason mm. University. Mm. Not that I've lectured in accounting. Yes, yes. I think that was a slip of your tongue. Yes. But uh, that's the, the correction. Thank you for helping me be a better communicator. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> and, and why is it that you wanted to come today and uh, talk about music? Well, I think of music, just like you have studied, music is life and life is music. And when you think of how tense society has become at this 21st century, you wonder what needs to be done. People need to relax a little bit more. And I would say in part is because as a society we have evolved our consciousness into a state of being where people are constantly thinking about how to make it financially. That's the major thing and you look at divorces, the majority of them are due to not enough money, people not having enough money. 
and you think that life should have been just an experience where people exchange ideas and communicate, understand each other. But once we have shifted, I would say from the 14th century, we, the Western philosophers call it the Enlightenment era. And I find it funny that it's called the Enlightenment era because you are thinking of people having been in the age of darkness and now they are moving into Enlightenment. This is the era that begins to divide or to separate physics from magic, emotion from reason. But uh, what is not understood is that these are just ways of thinking about humanity because if you think about it, uh, human beings have lived on this earth and have done many different things. Our language comes in to begin to classify them and give them uh, uh, epochs like the Stone Age, the Dark Ages and all that. So I think of the Enlightenment era as a funny uh, explanation. Now, all in all, you find that music has always existed. In other words, humans have found ways of organizing sound because they are just intrigued with what happens. And you find this even in, a, in an infant. You know, a child who is just about to begin walking, like say a year or nine months to two years, they get very interested in, in sounds. You know, you see them by the coffee table, mm -hmm. and if you forgot your keys there, and they get hold of your keys, they start playing with the keys, <laughs> and you will probably be impatient and say, stop that noise! But for them, they are int intrigued. Wow, each time I do this, this is what is happening. You give them a drum like the one I'm holding here, and the kid tries that, and soon, so now they stop for a moment and they continue and they realize there's something happening. And it is this feedback that intrigues humans. Pretty much like when you see people who have just witnessed an accident, instead of minding their own business, they want to be there to see everything, even if it's not that important, you know? Hmm. So I think music has that kind of an attraction. One, it serves as a tool of influencing people, but it is also used by people to influence other situations. So, so there's that endless interplay. And when you look at instruments, the way they, were ma they are made, some of them are funny looking, some of them resemble. You look at the, the what do you call, the uh, kora. Mm -hmm. You know, it has many strings. Yes, it's a West African yeah. string instrument. Yeah, and then the xylophone. You find the Africans had the same uh, pieces of food organized in a particular pattern to produce different... Uh, uh, notes and we find equivalent instruments in the in the European world, but of course they all owe their origins to Africa. That's most interesting. And you mentioned that uh, music as is, is a tool to calm chaos. What do you mean yeah. by that? Uh, I mean that humans are constantly working with being at peace with self, which means the world is constantly a chaotic world. Why? Because I think humans are constantly struggling with the desire to understand so that they can conquer and get control of situations. And probably this comes from the Judeo-Christian tradition where people are told, you, the human being, you are above all livings, you have been given dominion to control all this. So with that mindset, you can see our age of science. When I was talking about the Enlightenment era, actually, I was talking about how physics and sciences get refined and there are theories and all these theories are ways of people finding uh, opportunities to capture things. You can go through, for example, the atomic edge, splitting the atom and you have the atomic bomb. 
that is dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. And then today we have nuclear, and we are thinking nuclear, France being one of the leaders in nuclear energy for creation of electricity. But there's also the fear of nuclear war. And so my point really, when I look at the Enlightenment era and the place we are today as humans, is that we are caught up in this endless loop of thinking we have gotten hold of the human situation but the moment we hold it, it is already oozing out of our hands and we have stress of trying to get gain control over, over it. So that is the cycle. And so music can become very handy because when people tell you, ah, we went there and had a beer and listened to music, or we were in church and the music was very good, and uh, we had uh, this drum session where people were being hypnotized, all those are very good concrete examples of where there's an attempt to calm down the spirit, the human spirit, and music comes in handy. And there's something unique about you is that uh, the way you're dressed right now, this is how you dress for class with a bandana, shirt, and yeah. even you come with your guitar to class. Yeah. Why do you come with your guitar to class? I think it's for that same reason, that music is life. And in the Western world, we compartmentalize everything. We say there's time for music and there's time for this, which is why there's a, a dress code, business dress and all that. Uh, for me, I look at life as constantly in change. It is ephemeral. And by that, I mean that as long as we try to fit what has been prescribed, forgetting that it is prescribed by fellow humans, the moment we get into that frame that is required, we realize that the situation has changed and that the, the frame looks ridiculous. That's why somebody would say, oh, I have to loosen my tie because, you know, it is 5 p.m. It's like you, we, humans now live in different consciousnesses. Now I'm a business person. Now I'm in a store. I'm uh, buying something. Now I'm at a clinic. I'm talking to the doctor. Now I am the teacher. I'm talking to students. Next time I'm playing ball or I'm doing whatever. So we keep on changing. So the interesting thing then is that the human being seems to be caught up in this place of what I call the two uh, competing uh, elements. One is permanence and the other is change. You are living in a changing world and yet, <clears throat> yet your structure is an attempt to make things permanent. Which is why you could be sent away for not adhering to the <clears throat> dress code at your job. And yet on Friday, there's no code. Anybody can dress whatever they want. So you are encountering an interesting experience of humans who are, on the one hand, looking to be free. They create things that will free them, as in technologies that will free us. But the moment we introduce them, they begin to control us and thereby create the stress. And yet we introduce them in order to control that stress. You write a computer program, things are not going to work unless a comma is in that line. So big deal, comma. And you couldn't say, well, I am the owner, you are my computer, you must do whatever I say. No, the computer program will work if you fulfill what is already required. So I find it an interesting uh, place. And when you find me going to class with uh, the way I'm dressed, it is pretty much because I like to be free. I can't imagine climbing a tree when I'm in a suit and tie, where I say if I'm walking on the... <laughs> on USIU and I find some interesting places I could climb or sit easily. So I find the dress itself is a constraint. And to be free requires that I understand that. 
<clears throat> Talking about the banana, for example, I wear the banana for, for many years now. I've done yoga for 21 years, and I realize more and more that the banana functions very well in scientific terms. It's, if you understand the concept of uh, latent heat of vaporization in physics, when I sweat, the banana sucks that sweat, so it doesn't drip down. Aesthetically wonderful. <laughs> Number two, as I sweat, the body always seeks to evaporate whatever uh, fluid there is, and latent heat of vaporization is the, the heat that is being taken out of my body in order to vaporize the sweat on the bandana, and that has a cooling effect. When it is cold, the banana helps me to stay warm. And so it is very multifaceted. Now compare a banana to a baseball cap and you consider what happens to your collar if you wear the shirt for three days, it already has a ring. Now, how often do people wash their baseball caps? Not often. Bandana, I get home tonight, wash it, it is clean, ready to be used the next time. So there's some element of hygiene. Again, maybe I should say, I'm very <laughs> high-powered hygiene. And mm. so I find bananas uh, very, very, very helpful. And if it's dusty, I'm going through a very dusty zone, immediately the banana becomes handy. So it serves so many purposes and very reasonable. But this is the best one. When I'm at a funeral ceremony and the Catholic pastor says, Sasa, men, take off your hat so we can pray. I'm usually without that problem because I, I don't, I'm not wearing a hat. And I, I remember one time walking out of a church and a cousin of mine was tagging me and saying, hey, you didn't take out your, your banana. We took off our hats. They were telling him, well, why don't you get a banana? <laughs> <laughs> so it is really expression of the idea that some of these codes we create we can't follow them too closely because they are not life and death situations and that we should not be sacrificing our own joys for us. A, a, a law that doesn't really exist except that we are the ones who enforce it. Yes, yes. And so I have interesting experiences with people who are either uncomfortable, some of them are very happy, some actually, my brother buys me bananas. He asks me, what do you like me to bring you? Banana. Yeah? So I have a whole variety of all colors. Yes, yes. And, and uh, talking about uh, causing chaos and, and, and uh, breaking codes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you normally, uh, you mentioned that you normally play drums for your son to sleep. Would you give us an example, you know, just a demonstration how you do that? Well, he's in his 30s now, but uh, <laughs> when he was a kid, that's around 90s, and he's very agitated, he can't sleep. And normally, I will start off by disturbing him. It's like drawing his attention. I'll go something like... And then I see the turtle and I go. So he's paying attention. And then I see him getting to fall asleep, so I lower the volume. So right there is your proof how music actually takes you away from your chaotic world, as in my son was having these issues, whether they were nightmares or whatever, and he was waking up. But now I capture him by music, by giving him that rhythm. Because again, you realize music and the drum, especially the drum and the heart are very closely related. 
Because mm. when a child is not born, the embryo it is developing, it is constantly hearing the heartbeat, you know? That's the mother's heartbeat. Now the child is born. Anytime they have to have that sense of uh, anchor, they're anchored, they're grounded, they need to have something like that. And that's how, for me, that's how I found music to be helpful. Wow, and it, uh, even as you're describing it through that sense, it shows like music is, is sort of like no different than our heartbeat in terms of keeping the pace, and it seems to be having even health benefits. Oh yes, music is actually therapy. How so? And as therapy it is used to treat many kinds of conditions, and there have been experiments done to prove that. From depression, Alzheimer's, uh, autism, all kinds of mental conditions and even pain relief for the same reason that somebody is paying so much attention to the pain and then they find that they have been moved back. Most Alzheimer's patients, they could lose a lot of senses, memory loss, but you still find them very coherent when it comes to music. They'll remember the songs and be able to sing those. And when they're agitated, when you play music for them, they, they, they just get back to being mellow and just at peace. Uh, if you think about autism as a very interesting, complicated uh, mental condition for a lot of young people, they are constantly agitated because they are not synchronized into our everyday world. And so they have a lot of problems with so many things, including um, when something is not right, a very slight difference. Uh, they will react in ways that are excessive because they don't have the social and emotional intelligence oftentimes. So music is very helpful for them and you find that they tend to react better. You might be familiar with a movie Rain Man. Yes, I, 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 I remember. Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes. And there's a case where he's being served his breakfast and it is, everything is always very precise. The number of sausages and how they are placed on the plate and all that. That, th th those are examples of medical conditions that some people have and that things have to be fairly perfect. Um, there are people who, if you are with, they tell you, oh, no, no, let me show you, you should do it this way and maybe you're washing dishes because they have a particular way that they think is right. So those are some examples of uh, variations of different mental senses that we, we have. Uh, music ends up being the best when it comes to depression, for example, because depression is in part can call it some uh, chemical imbalance on the one hand, but you can also associate it with other stress factors that may have to be related to how one's life is going. And our modern world, as I mentioned earlier, seems to have set itself up to improve everything, but oftentimes creating a lot, of, a lot more chaos. Mm. So people are depressed, and again, Drinking alcohol and all that doesn't help. It just numbs you and then you fall asleep and you wake up You didn't really get quality sleep, but with the music you're actually getting back to feel so different I'll give you my own example where my blood pressure could be a little elevated if I check and What I normally do I just meditate and remind myself what I've gone through I pick up the guitar and I'll start something very spontaneously because I play guitar without a uh, I never went to school for music. I don't read music. But I've reached a point where I've realized that I can create the sounds that I'm desiring for myself. So I'll do something like... 
So you see what is happening here right now is that everything that I was thinking disappears because the guitar has taken dominance and I'm being compelled to pay attention to those sounds and then I have a desire to produce certain uh, melodies and as I reach for them I'm literally, literally getting out of that stressful mode. So now let's say I continue with that exploration and I move into a rhythm. Now, you notice what I've just done as creating something on the spur of the moment. It came out of the blues. It's not written anywhere. It just came out, out of my, my own desire to create something. And so what happens is that as I'm playing, it's like I'm playing a, a very interesting trick here. I am playing the music. But as the music is coming out as I play it, it is actually organizing me. And in that organized state, I go back to find an idea of what else I could do, and I do another what else, and the more I do this, it becomes a cycle where I and the guitar are becoming one, and the music, all of us together, and we, we start feeling like we are living in a very different place. I bet if I ask people what came to their mind when I played this, they would say it evoked them in a particular form. Now, the artist, when the artist is drawing, they uh, do say a circle, and immediately the circle speaks to them. They figure, I could do an, another circle here. That's, those are the eyes and then the brows and all that. So we say they are producing the picture, but the picture is producing the artist who's continuing to produce the picture. So there's that endless interplay. And that's the same sense in which music works as a, music is life and life is music. Why? It is an attempt to anchor the sensations of the mind into one place so that one can find peace and harmony. You are creating harmony on an ongoing basis. Well, that... Now, the major reason for this is that the mind is the most restless. And different humans have different conditions of that. They are those who are able to concentrate. And the idea of meditation, in fact, is a reaction to the fact that we have to figure ways of taming the mind. And so that's what's really happening by finding a, a way, which could be drumming, as in the beats, or it could be uh, in music, and you think about jazz and it is improvisation. I'm playing this, I'm hearing this guy, what if I get in here and we are together, and we begin to meld into an amazing experience, and by the time it is done, everybody is feeling like, wow, we have really communicated. Now, what happened in this case? Everybody threw out, out of their mind any issues they have, my quarrel with my girlfriend this morning or my, the bill that's pending, all those things have to go away because now I have to listen to how my friend's beat is going and everybody's following that, that beat. So you can see how music then becomes a unifier even in international relations. Because you are finding one thing that all people can relate to. Which is why when I play, say, the drum like I'm doing this bit here, 
notice that in this case, I've done two patterns, the first and the second. Correct. So the first one that I did it just came out of the blue, and I was just inventing something. And the idea is because the mind identifies that there's a repetition, there's a pattern there, it begins to take more interest in what is this pattern about. Yeah? And that's when you see how uh, drumming in the African context, actually in my culture, people who have got mental conditions, they get to be in a drum session. It can be overnight or for several hours, and many of them come, come out of that situation and become okay. In others, they have so much chaos, they get stuck in so many kinds of problems and they figure ways of coming out and they can't, but it takes the drum to come and force them to start listening to it. And the next thing is now they have just found a platform, now they can start reorganizing their life in a more systematic form. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very, when you share that, it just shows just how much we don't know the power of music. Yeah. And I remember a phrase that you mentioned that uh, music is like a, a fish in water. Yes. And, 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 uh, and I remember you uh, talking about even a, a workshop that you did and you actually applied this same technique. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that uh, workshop that you did? <laughs> yeah, the idea of fish in water is the idea that music proliferates every aspect of our life that we become unaware that it is important, the same way that we are not aware that air is important because it is an abundance, the same way that fish doesn't feel the water, it is just swimming, and only when it is thrown out onto the sand it realizes. So if there was complete silence, and the best example I can give you is when I was at Ohio University, you know, during the normal school session, there's so much noise on a weekend, people are playing different music and others have party and there. Then semester ends. Most people have gone and you are left there, maybe just you and the next neighbors and the noise is gone. There's some very significant emptiness that comes in. And it's not just because music is gone. Yes, it's music, but plus all this other noise that you normally hear. In others, you start realizing that there's something to be said about the importance of having that continuity of something. Now, I was uh, invited to, to give a talk at the KDF in Karen. It's, uh, and for those unfamiliar with KDF? It's Kenya Defense Forces College, where they train officers. And this time they had 50 officers from all over Africa, from Egypt, South Africa, etc., etc. And when I arrived there, they were wondering, they told me to be in a suit and tie. And of course, I conformed with all that. But I brought my guitar and the commandant asked me, what is the guitar for? I told him, it's part of my teaching tool. You understand when I use it. So you could see that maybe they think I'm sort of breaching their story. But once I started, I got in there and did an instrumental piece. And the instrumental piece was simply to bring them together and they were paying attention. When I was done playing, I asked, could you, let me just do what I did. Then. Go ahead. That might help. Yes, let us get some of this military prestige. Uh, I went some prestige. <laughs> <laughs>
then I speed it up a little. So I ended up like that, and I asked them, it may not have been exactly like that, because as I said, music is ephemeral. I asked them, could you write down what happened to your emotions upon hearing this? And everybody took time to write. Then I said, okay, let's take time to listen to everybody's explanation. And some people say it was very calming, it reminded me of my sister, it reminded me of that. So the question was then, how come that everybody had a different sense of this and my purpose was to show them how we human beings are constantly in our own enclaves relating to life in our own unique ways and here we had something where everybody was relating to it in their own way but it was meant to show them the concept of perspectives and uh, I created a perspective model in a period of uh, seven years which is my tool for helping people to understand why it is so important to pay attention to other people's viewpoints. And so I found that music became uh, my method for teaching almost anything. So why did you need to show the military officers that they needed to have different perspectives? What was the specific reason for the workshop? Uh, the workshop was primarily looking at how you keep peace and the role of uh, the military and the community, and the idea of why wars may not be that uh, necessary. I mean, you can think of what's happening in Ukraine right now. And you know, military people are trained to follow orders and do whatever is required. But I was encouraging this kind of a critical thought in them because the topic that I was addressing actually had much to do with international relations. And so that's, I thought that was the best way for me to begin to, share, to show them that Yes, you may have been trained in all this and this and that, but think of how you can understand why a woman may be pleading for something in a community where they, you are going through war and you don't want your army to be discredited for having treated the civilians uh, uh, badly because now I'm helping you to start seeing things from the point of view of the other person. How do you strike that consensus? So that was part of the story. Wow. Yeah. And I guess also the military officers got a free concert without knowing. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't mention the particular topic deliberately, but at least it was meant to, to, to clarify that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. And, and, and you mentioned that music is uh, ephemeral. Please, can you just talk more about that? What's ephemeral? <laughs> well, the word ephemeral means that there is the form, like if I played something to be exact and I played exactly the same way. That's the story of the human where we try to fix things. So when you fix things, like let's say I do something like... 
if I continue like this, it becomes so. You are hearing it as nice, but soon it will begin to wear you out. You are you are you are fatigued by that. This is the opposite of ephemeral. Mm -hmm. So ephemeral means when I do this and I'm hearing other sounds and then I begin to change. And if you ask me to repeat the same thing, I couldn't because at that point I'm thinking about different things. So for example. There's a little problem there. Yeah, my last string was not sounding. So this kind of variation that I'm doing is happening in order to add more flowers on the picture that's already there. So ephemerality really is the idea that things are constantly in change or in flux. F L U X, as opposed to be to being fixed. So that's the the idea of ephemeral, mm -hmm. and it's important because humans are caught up between having standards that must be followed in order to have order, and that's what we call order, because they are trying to fight against the chaos, the chaos that we experience in our mind, the chaos that we experience in a place where everybody does whatever they do. And you can see when we have a fixed place, like when Michuki decided to organize the, the, the Matatu. And for those not familiar with Michuki... Michuki was a former minister for... Was that interior? I can't remember mm -hmm. exactly what his, his role was. I, was not I, think, I think it was transport. Transport, okay. I was in, I was in, in the US then. And the accolades I had about Michuki is that he organized a place where when the bus stopped... Everybody pushed in whichever way, and it didn't matter whether they are weak or strong, everybody survival for the fittest. And he ordered that people must queue, and soon there was order, and people started feeling very different. So that's an example of order that was restored against the chaos that used to exist. So the point I was raising was that humans are constantly seeking order, and when the order is too stifling, then it becomes it begins to undermine and you need some element of that. So the answer really is never on order or chaos, but a very healthy mix of continuous balancing of that element. Wow. Talk about uh, music being uh, ephemeral. And, yes. you know, and just about bringing that balance between order and chaos. And, and what about just... Could I just add a little point about sure. ephemerality? Yes, yes. When we think of music as ephemeral, it allows us to see that, in fact, creativity itself cannot be if music was not ephemeral. Because if it was just a strict order, it would be like some aspects of classical music where you have to play exactly as was intended. And of course, you think of high class, enlightenment era people, and they are telling you they are listening to Baroque or Mozart or whatever. And people who play, they have to follow the same way it was written and playing it exactly like that. Which is why not too many people like classical music necessarily. But when people are taught classical music and begin to spring away from that background, it gives them the technique of how to handle instruments, 
but now they can be very good creators because they have uh, the classical music teaches them creativity and so if they are told to do a particular song in a particular way they'll, they'll be able to do that they have mastered the technique but as crea creati creatives they can create when they introduce ephemer ephemerality so creativity essentially is this idea that if you want people to to prosper mentally psychologically you have to allow expression and expression is the experience of expressing yourself the way I try to express myself with a guitar. And like I was saying earlier that I could play something and in a short time I, I check my blood pressure. It is restored because I've expressed, released whatever tensions I had and my body has been aligned to the right place. So that's the, the point. And, and I'm trying to think, you know, that you, you are able to learn guitar without... Uh, YouTube, you know, that's how, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of us people who cannot go to guitar school or music school. Yeah. Uh, that's our way of learning. How are you able to learn guitar and like who are some of your guitar uh, influences? I think I come back from the 60s generation where I'm looking, I mean, I'm a 50s generation, but I'm looking at the 60s where I start taking interest in guitar. And learning without uh, reading was a normal thing in the village because you knew people like Fadili William. And the first song I started with was uh, Malaika. So, so at that time I was playing something like. Then I learned from my uncle that actually this is the key of C. How is it C? Well, it's made of a co three chords. A key is made of two or more chords. So this one is made of three chords. The first one is the chord of C, and then F, and then G. So those are uh, two songs, uh, Fadil Williams' Malaika, and the other one was Safari, Kumbe Safari Kweli Tabu. So Malaika goes something like... This was giving him my fingers the practice to know how to move back and forth. So you can compare now, I've advanced to the point I could play it. So I realized that once you can do one chord, one key, that key can help you to play more songs. And you notice here is adding some embellishment and that made it richer as opposed to just the, the, the chord. So the other song was... And this was again constant repetition of the same thing, but it was helping me to understand how guitar works. And the more I got to know that, I took so much interest. 
In fact, I remember my father saying, if I see you with a guitar, because there was so much uh, exploitation of African musicians, when a foreign company will come and pay them like uh, 50 bob, and that's it. They go away, the copyright and songs are being played. So my interest in guitar really was quite constrained because I had so much interest, and at the same time I was being one not to play guitar because it was associated with the people who don't succeed. Which is true, they are not succeeding because they are being exploited compared to Diamond today or Saudi Soul who are doing so much better. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, I remember in our discussion you mentioned about music as a commentary. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Music as commentary, it simply gives you the, the mood of how to feel. But also music when it serves to control or I'd say to manage community affairs as in managing management of culture. How so? Culture is managed, you know, if you go back to before Europeans, here we have African cultures where people will have harmony that has been established in a particular form, and there are rules that are followed, and there are taboos, you know. So there are no prisons, interestingly. Why were there no prisons? Because there was more preventative measures inbuilt in the culture, music being one of the major instruments that did that. So let's say the case of incest, and somebody has been known to have done that, their case has been tried by the community, the fines have been done, but now there's a, what you see today as name and shame. Well, if you go to the traditional drumming sessions, people will be, they are dancing and playing, and then the poets come in with their narratives and they are telling the story and they would use a very clever way of talking about that incest situation and people have heard that so you are thinking about music at the time when it is the major mode of uh, communication. That was the social media of the time. And you don't want your family to be feeling terrible about this constant song that is being sung, sung by even children and is making a reference to an incest situation. So you can see how music becomes a real moderator there. It is constantly keeping things in place. In other words, you are thinking of culture as a, a basket of rules that have to work in a particular way. And this basket is so intricate because it has several points that are, there's a particular string, maybe a wire somewhere, and there's some <clears throat> water that has, be, has to be used to irrigate it so that it doesn't dry and crack. It has to stay flexible. And so music becomes one of those contents that have to be added onto that process. But it becomes fairly major in that sense. So commentary on teaching people the right thing, which is not very different from what you have found, I would say, in the 70s, when you have somebody like Mbaraka Mwishe singing songs to encourage people to have the proper diet, you know? A song like, Kutokana na maradhi mbali mbali, lazima tufate kanuni zafia, and then he goes on to list all the foods classified in terms of energy foods, immunity foods. And these were times when Tanzania was up and coming and seeing the role of artists in the community playing the role of helping the community to, to live more healthy. So again, when you look at most songs, they are about advice and love and all that. 
But I think music really plays a very central role. Like I said earlier, if there was no music, people would feel like death. Just like I was mentioning in the case of a, a campus where school is closed, everybody's gone, you feel really miserable. And so you come up with an idea, let's have a party spontaneously. And music has to be part of that party. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because that's what happens when a lot of people are bored. They're like, you know, let's put on some music. Yes. You know, yes, you have your yes. favorite DJ or let's go out yeah. for a concert or a place that's playing a live band. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just changes your, your mood immediately. Music is the babysitter for the whole society, essentially. Yeah? Remember the, we are the world. That's the song that was meant to raise funds for the suffering in Ethiopia. There was a severe hunger and famine. And you are looking at people coming together. All musicians, all artistic people in the USA brought that about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh... I remember that you also did mention that even as we have songs like We Are The World that yeah. bring us together, there are also songs that are used for propaganda. Yeah. True. And I wish I could think of some right now. But uh, of course, propaganda, if you define propaganda properly, you'd see that everything does look like it is propaganda in a lot of ways. What is the definition of propaganda? Um, I prefer to think of propaganda not in the sense that ordinary people see it as propaganda means lies. You know, that's so narrow of a view of propaganda. Propaganda is the method of presenting a story and how that process influences somebody to see it in the ways that the propagandist wants. But with that definition, so wouldn't that be ev anything and everything? In other words, <laughs> propaganda really is narrative. What we are hearing today, people talk about narrative. Oh, that's their narrative. That's their propaganda. That's how they want us to see things. Say you have a younger brother, and you, your mother bought you some ice cream, so everybody got a chance. And your brother eats his ice cream halfway, puts it back in the fridge. For you, you finished yours. Later on, you have appetite, and you realize, I think I need to make my brother give me his other half. So you might go there and tell him a story since he's naive. You tell them, you know, I was told that when people are very young like this, it's not good to eat a lot of ice cream. So can I eat this for you because I don't want you to start having a stomach problem? <laughs> you are laughing like you had that experience. <laughs> so little kid accepts. Now, <laughs> you have managed to use propaganda to gain an extra ice cream and the guy feels not that you took the ice cream by force, but he feels you are really protecting him. Now, that's what advertisements do, that's what the governments do, that's what the music does. Even love songs, they are like that. Yeah? Let me try a song here and see whether we can tease out some propaganda. <laughs> now, which one will this be? So most people remember this, those of the 70s, late 60s. Salamu nimpenani, penzi salama ye, atazi kufikie kokote, kokote ulipo dadae. Sinawa kumwamini, nachoka 
Kuangai kau Naomba tukutane Mimi Salamunim penani, penzi salamae, atazi kufikie kokote ulipodalae, sinawa kumwamini, nachoka kuangaikae, naomba tukutane, mimi nawe salamae. And then the song goes on. Now, if you look at the propaganda component of this, of course he's saying he loves Salama so much, that's the name of the girl, and he actually starts off with some nice narrative of who shall I give these greetings to reach you, Benzi Salama. And so the way it is pre being presented, it is like, Naomba Tukutane, I would like us to meet at some point, and the combination of the instrumentation, the words, that's the poetry, all those work, very well to woo or to propagandize Salama to feel like, hey, I'm so special. He's even thinking he couldn't just deliver the, uh, the greetings. It has to go through his, his wondering who, who is worthy of sending this, <laughs> this message. And you go to West Africa, you find the griots. Uh, in Luo culture, you also have the you know, uh, musicians who are doing the traditional songs, and mostly they are singing praises about somebody. So what is the role of music really? It is more like art where I'm drawing a picture and I want to present a picture of Andrew, the real guy. Yeah? And you listen to songs these days of people like uh, Musa Juma, uh, Marcelina, Nina Gari, uh, next time Nanda Paris, you Nanda Wapi, Nikona Shambatele. Mm -hmm. The idea of praising and painting the propaganda, the picture of how Marcelina mm -hmm. must love this guy because, hey, he has everything. And of course, it's making an assumption about how material things are playing a significant role in whether you become suitable for somebody. Is that the song Toyota Corolla? Oh, that's a different sure. song. No, no, it's a different song. Okay. Yeah. But you see, notice how the music then plays the role of arbitrating and sometimes confirming the same stereotypes we are trying to fight. Hmm. Because on the one hand, we are thinking, many ni kazi na uwezo and the idea kwamba a woman ought to just be glad kwamba amepata mtu mwenye pesa na kwa hivyo atakuwa na they'll be having a very nice life so music plays a very interesting role and its power mainly is because it is not easy to criticize because it is pleasant the same way that most of the bad things for our health they are just tasting nice pizza, <laughs> cake, and all that. And, and so they, there's no room for them to be seen in any negative form until people now become critical thinkers and start saying, hey, soda is not very good for you. So notice then that music is a, a very, uh, I, I call it ephemeral on the one hand, but it also plays just a whole range of stuff. I was trying to link this to propaganda, mm -hmm. but to define propaganda as the way something is expressed. It can be true, 
And it can be lies, but the idea is how does person A cause B to see things in the way person A wants B to see? And so that presentation is what I'm referring to as propaganda. Yeah, but with that definition, what came to mind is everyone does propaganda from parents. Thank you. you. Know? Yes, indeed. Schools. Yes. Uh, the group you're in, tribes, yes. religion. Yes. Pretty much all spheres of life. <laughs> and if people understood this to be the case, then I think we'll have more harmony because you'd never say somebody is, ah, he only propaganda too, or that is just rhetoric. Everybody is creating a narrative to feed whatever particular interest they have. Mm-hmm. Now, how would we solve this if we understood everybody as a propaganda? That's when you move into the realm of critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Because if people understand the importance of logic, how to reason, they become critical thinkers, then they can examine whatever is being said by anybody, whether it's the pastor or the president, with a manner of trying to understand what is being said and what is being left out. In fact, I'm glad you bring that up. And I'd like, uh, uh, we're going to finish up this uh, section on music, part one, so that we can now start uh, part two, where we go deeper into critical thinking skills and just uh, talking more about your perspective model and how it can we can use it as an actual tool to yeah. enhance our life. So yes. normally uh, at the end of every podcast, I like to ask what are uh, some of your influences musically? You've already mentioned uh, a couple of them. Mm. Um, but who would be, let's say, three people you would love to just have a jam session with? Uh, Kidum is one of them. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know who Kidum is? Kidum is a Burundian, a young guy who's done quite well with the music. I happened to have returned to Kenya and listened to a lot of his songs and I found them to be very, very well written. And so I like Kidum's music and I, I happen to have met him also. I know him. I actually call him my son. So he's one of the current. But when I go back to trust music, I go to Fadil William, a man from my home, Taita the man who did Malaika, that has become an international uh, song. People like Franco, Tabule, all those are great musicians, even although they sang in Lingala and French. The instrumentation, like I mentioned earlier, it has so much power. And of course, some of the songs we have come to know what they mean, like Tres uh, Empoli. It's, uh, it's not polite when you go to somebody's house and you're just sitting there putting your legs on the table. Again, you see how music is playing the role of teaching people the proper manners. And then you have Tabulei, uh, Dr. Nico. Dr. Nico, I met him in Washington, D.C. in the early 80s. And Mbaraka Mushe that I had mentioned earlier, the guy who did music for... Uh, and, and for Tabulei and, and Dr... Dr. Nico. Dr. Nico. Yeah. What are maybe some of the songs that you, the, the popular songs maybe we could start listening to to get a taste Oh, there's of, some uh, songs he has done with Mbilia Bell. Mm-hmm. And those were just great songs like Muzina. Muzina, Episanto, Muzina, Muzina. And that song is actually very religious. Mm. Yeah. Because it is in the name of Father and the Spirit and so it is really a very, very calming song. And it takes you back to that idea I was raising earlier about, uh, about the role of music in finding you a place that gives you harmony. 
I like Taboulet's instrumental. In fact, there's one that I, maybe I should try here if I remember. Um, So this is the rhythm part, and then the, the lead will continue, and it's an instrumental song, so beautiful. I used to like that song from the late 60s up to now. These are songs which never age, they are just amazing songs. Yeah. So, and then I like Carlos Santana, among uh, people from Calypso, we have uh, the Lord Kitchener, uh, Mighty Sparrow, I'm very eclectic in my music. I like uh, Lakta Mangeshka from India. And my any, any, any song you'd recommend from these people that you're, you know, like Lak? I, I think I think the best thing is just to Google Lakta Mangeshka, mm -hmm. and you'd find that she's uh, amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. I like the Indian drum, the tabla. In fact, I was thinking at one point maybe I should consider being in India for like six months to just learn the the, the tabla. Yeah, I'm, I'm very attracted to all kinds of music from Latin to Chinese to you name it. I'm really open to music because I'm just attracted by how unifying and how attractive it is to, to the soul. Would you mind just describing what is one element that stands out for you about Latin? What is one element that stands out to you about Indian? What is one element that stands out to you from the Chinese experience of music? You know, they all are unified around the instrumentation and I like string instruments and I like drum on the one hand. So when I listen to Latin music, I hear African sounds. And I'm aware enough because I've listened to the Congolese music and came to understand how the Latin beat is very African. And there's a talk of some of the Congolese experiences coming emanating from Cuba and when you listen to Cubans, when I lived in Florida, I used to play with people of all kinds. There used to be an evening on an open stage, and you would just come there and do your stuff, and people collaborate. So uh, let me show you the link between Haiti. Haiti is one of the islands. Uh, it's an island that is divided into Haiti on the one hand and the Dominican Republic on the other. These are black people who are colonized by the French at some point and then fought back in, in the 1800. Mm. And when you listen to their music, it's not very different from the music from uh, West Africa. And when they talk, you can see West Africa right there. Now, you listen to uh, music in Miami, Florida, where you have a whole population from Cuba. They call it Little Havana. And you listen to music, it's very African. The dancing and the beat is the, the, the main thing that controls. And you look at uh, Sparrow back in Trinidad and Tobago, same thing. It's, it actually makes me emotional when I listen to this music. It's, it's so powerful. I didn't mention reggae, Bob Marley, and the Whalers, and Harry Belafonte. <laughs> there, there are many musicians, mm -hmm. Black Mambazo. I'm 
open to all kinds of music and I listen to just a whole range all the way to San Toma, you know. You know, these are things that once they touch your soul, everything smells away. You can find somebody very sad and immediately, hey, they mm -hmm. get up and they forget everything and they'll say, man, that song saved me. I've actually had people tell me how they had contemplated suicide and for some reason when this particular song plays always it reminds me of how it saved me from a particular state that's how powerful music is mm. yeah mm. i mean we I, I don't know whether we can underestimate music just look at the industry although it has been uh misappropriated in the sense that it has been made for profit and if you'd allow me i would like to make a very important point about music and the intent that has now been hijacked into a profit world. When you look at African music, in many cases you don't differentiate the performer versus the people because it is all participatory. The drummers are there, they're playing, and as they sing, there's call and response. I say this and the people are responding. As we are doing this, we are reaffirming this narrative which says certain things are bad or certain things are good, yeah? And it's like the song, So many vijana, na 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 ni na na, munapo maliza shule utapata kazi nzuri sana. You know, when people sing along, they're actually affirming that, that message, that, that, that narrative. Now, as differentiating the Western music approach, where people are given royalties and all that, and so they are performing to be paid, as opposed to that it is a, a, an experience of enjoyment, which brings in the idea of the stage. The performers are here and those are there. So you find our African uh, performers, they tend to go like, hey, come on, can I hear some noise? Lift your hands if you are this and that. And so, yeah, yeah, yes. So they're trying to create that because it's like they can't divorce themselves from their traditional root African. And we find African music, African-American music, when people analyze it, they realize there's a call and response. James Brown, say it loud. I'm black and proud. And these are people who are oppressed for a long time and they are trying to reaffirm their identity. And James Brown is seen to play a very important role in reaffirming that an African person is just as good as any. You see? Now, the commercialization of anything, whether it is music, whether it is art, always has this effect of copyrights and whatever else. And then you begin to see that people are rich because their music is being sold. And who are the people behind the selling? Well, in many cases, there are music labels that have no concept of music. For them, it's just a business where they have created a portal just like Uber. They don't drive your car, they don't buy fuel, they don't repair, they just created a portal and now they are ma making money because of that. So we are living in a society where different people find ways of controlling something so that it helps them and they will say propaganda again we are helping people to sell their music. <laughs> and the buyers, I'm glad I can download my music and I'm fine. So as we participate in this uh, space, that's how the world is constantly changing in so many ways. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's bad to have music as commercialized, that's not my point. I'm saying that when it is commercialized, it has that implication. You can't go there unless you bought a ticket. You buy in advance, you buy for a thousand. If you wait until the gate, you'll pay a thousand five hundred. So, again, uh, 
when you say, raise your hand and all that, somebody's going to go, no, no, I paid, you perform. <laughs> which, which goes counter to the whole spirit of what music is meant to be. It seems more transactional rather than being yeah. in the, yeah. I guess, being in the spirit or being in the mood or being in the yes. energy yes. of the music. Yes. 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 I can see how, yeah, yeah if, if it feels... When both participate, there are no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And even there's more music created and more things created. Yeah. But when it is, uh, you know, pre-packaged... Yeah, it makes a different ring. It makes a different it. experience. And, it, uh, you know, I think it, it, it's a challenge for everyone involved. Because true. how can you allow then a musician to benefit from their craft? Yeah. Because it's not free putting in the time, effort. Mm. They are an integral part of the community. Yeah. And they serve a very important function, as we've mentioned. You know, yes. healing, mm. uh, all these things. Except I was pointing out that in the Western culture, where everything is compartmentalized, therefore it is in compartment form. I give an example of my visit in Detroit, 1999. And there was an African festival, so they brought all kinds of drums. In fact, I have three djembe drums. That I bought there. And so you have a row of people just playing. Just like you do jazz improvisation. And it was possible for me to sit with my drum, which I've just bought there, and join them. And there was no such thing as, oh, no, 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 you can't do this. But try to do that with South Soul. They're on stage, and you are climbing there with your guitar to go and play with them. <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, no, 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 not worry, beer. That's, that's the point I was establishing, actually, because you are thinking... But that's why they're called jam sessions. If there's a jam session, yeah. you know, it tends to be open. Different yes, musicians yes. can come. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's yeah. a different purpose for every gathering. So. Exactly. Yes. And I'm saying that the modernity, commercializing and compartmentalizing in order to commercialize has meant that the way music is acted upon and shared and how people can participate mm. or not is, is different. Before we, we close up, I think, yes, you've shared a lot of musicians, a lot of your influences. Yeah. Have you come any books about music that you think would be worth reading, whether it's about history of music or anything? I actually wish I could, but I have looked at my books for a long time. I've been away from my books for 10 years. But I can tell you that I have a book which tells you how instruments, almost all instruments, they originate from Africa. The harp, that has many strings and they, they play it like that. Mm -hmm. It's the equivalent of the kora, for example. And so the xylophone, uh, you go to West Africa, they call it balafon. The thumb piano, very similar to that. Mm -hmm. So it's an attempt by somebody to take interest in understanding how uh, music, uh, musical instruments come about. Mm -hmm. So that would be something of interest. But you know, these days you have so much information. You just do a Google search in a few minutes, you'll have lots of stuff from Africa. That's true, but I'm just asking as a man of yeah. your caliber who has traveled over three continents <laughs> and has been exposed to so much culture. <laughs> I, I think my, my condition as a person, I'm a very curious person, and I think I have a lot of learning that is mainly experiential and don't do much for reading except when I'm doing research stuff that I want to go deeper and having arguments with other people. And part of the reason is that I find that when we begin to memorize what people have said and all that, it's a good thing that we can quote so and so and so and so on, but is it, it more important to understand what is going on and the whole social, cultural and political dynamics that are taking place? 
for me, I look at music and see that if you can have an Indian person playing the tabla, an African person playing the other drum and the guitar, and the Indian playing the sitar, what if they were to collaborate and come up with something so unique that is based on all these instruments working together, where generally they don't? I think that's happening now yeah. over the internet. You'll find like... yes. Because we are now global, listen to different kinds of music, yeah, yeah. different artists, you know, someone from India can mm. connect with someone from Nigeria, Afrobeats yeah. and Bollywood and just merge the two. Yes. Or even as we've seen, you know, DJs nowadays, they're very creative in, let's say, for example, having, let's say, hip hop vocals of a reggae instrumentals and vice mm. versa. Yeah. Reggae vocals of our hip hop instrumentals. Yeah. So uh, technology is allowing us to have these fusions where True. before True. Yeah. there might have been a lot of resistance. Over. I don't understand why yeah. these two groups should not come together. But Reminds me of uh, Oliver Mtukudzi with uh, our Kenyan uh, man who did Waina, Eric Wainaina. And Oliver Mtukudzi is my age mate, by the way. Wow. And uh, I like his songs very much. I like his song, Toddy, especially. He is an amazing person in exp expressing himself. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much. And any, any bits? We, we've, we've had a long range of discussion. I'd like to finish it up. From your length of what you've seen on planet Earth yeah. relating to music, what maybe three bits of wisdom can you share with us? The first one I would say... Let you be a person who cares to listen as opposed to classifying yourself into a box where you say, me, I like jazz only. Or I'm a rhythm and blue person. I, 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 I can't understand Arabic music or this or that. Because I think when you do, do that, we are essentially making the statement that we are the same people who are saying all of us should treat each other in harmony and love each other. And yet we have our exceptions of things we can do like, oh, no, no, Indian music, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That, that's, to me, that's just noise. Oh, jazz, ah, no, 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 that's noise. So my wisdom is seek, if you, if you find somebody who's playing an old instrument you've never seen before, just listen to what they're doing and then say hello to them when they're done. Ask them, what, tell me about this instrument. And you'll be endlessly educated about what the role of music is from another particular culture. So I think that will be my major story. Number two, to be willing to understand that music stems from the same idea, except it is presented differently by different people of the world, because their social, economic, and cultural conditions evolve differently. People who have suffered and the apartheid system in South Africa, and you listen to their music, it is in many cases a struggle to survive and overcome in very similar ways that you find to be the case of people in Mississippi who have worked as uh, cotton uh, slaves, you know, plantation workers. And so you begin to see, remember Hugh Masekela is a, a song called, uh, is it the train? He talks about how the workers are coming from different parts of southern Africa to come and get into the train to go to the mining place. And he starts with a he's demonstrating how the, 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 the train takes people into the abbeys, into those uh, places digging for gold and all that. 
And Yuma Sakala is just an amazing musician, you know. Uh, I know he died just a few, quite recently actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are examples. Those are examples for me. You asked me to present some wisdom, and I'm asking people to just be open and try to understand what are people saying. If we are going to have a world where we have more harmony, it means we have to have a world where people are trying to understand why do you guys wear a turban instead of saying that is so wrong why don't you wear a suit well what if they ask you the same question why do you guys keep on uh, putting something like you're about to commit suicide struggling yourselves i mean you can make anything ridiculous so the same for music that people should be more open-minded and wanting desiring to understand why people do things the way they do them wow yeah thank you very much professor ngure wamwachofi and uh, this is the end of part one where we are just uh, exploring music and how it impacts our lives. Stay tuned for part two where we're going to go a little bit deeper into the perspective model that Professor Mwachofi has created. And he's using this as a tool to help you navigate your world more powerfully. He has used this in workshops with different people. And uh, we'll get a small taste on how you can use this tool to impact your life. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, Andrew.